But um, the truth is, the Bible is the only source of divine truth that we have, and that God left it for us. He said it's alive and active. And that's something that's kind of hard to wrap your head around. But the Bible is alive and active, and it works in us. He said it pierces deeper than our thoughts, even to our intentions. It knows us and what we need and what we need to hear to bring us closer to God and to make us more like Christ. It knows us better than we know ourselves. He talked about how, it, and I like this one really a lot. He said it can pierce like a sword or it can pierce like the knife of a surgeon. And that makes a lot of sense. Sometimes the Bible tears us down and to the heart of the matter. And other times it's healing. It cuts us to heal us. And man, that's just so amazing. Uh, we, one thing I want to make sure that when, when we're talking about that is that we don't take it for granted. What a blessing it is that even today, 2,000 years later, we still have this full canon of scripture that all of us can legally have on our Bible or, I mean, on our phone or on our Bible. We can read it whenever we want. We can talk about it in public. What a blessing. I mean, there's so many places and times in this world where that wasn't the case. So uh, one thing to note about that is here at City Church, we make it our business to teach and preach the word of God, especially the gospel. And I just want you to know that's such a privilege. And Jared did a great job on that the first week. Um, the, uh, the second week is, well, it's actually the third week, but it's supposed to be the second week, is we, we grow in community, and that's my subject today. We're going to talk about how we grow through community here at City Church. Uh, next week, uh, Marcus is going to preach, and it's We Love Sacrificially. That'll be good. The next week, Jared is going to preach, and it's going to be We Give Cheerfully. That's going to be a tough one. I'm glad Jared, Jared's doing that one. And then the next one, uh, and the last one is We Serve Humbly, my man, Adam Keziah. And if, if there's anybody I know that can preach that one, it would be Adam. So, humility and how I attained it by Adam Keziah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, one thing I wanted to mention was Josh, I should have got with him before, but um, he talked about the sermon being available online on Facebook. Uh, the, usually there is a podcast, which you can access. I use Spotify, but you can just search for City Church uh, through Spotify and find a podcast. Uh, there's one of the sermon a few days after it's preached, and there's also one that Josh and Marcus do, and sometimes Julie and other people and Jared, but it's called After the Sermon Ends. And I, that, if you don't listen to that one, man, check into it, because what they do is they're able to freely speak with no pressure of standing in front of everybody about the topic of the sermon that was preached a couple of days after everybody can digest it. And man, they really tear it down and break it down, easy to understand. It's a great tool to just carry on what they already talked about. Another way we do that is through small groups. And uh, if you've experienced that, you know what I'm talking about. But man, it's so great to sit around in a group of, of people that you know well and hear everybody's different perspective on the message. It's, it's incredible what, what you can learn by listening to the other people and how the Spirit spoke to them through the same subject, which I have no idea how that works, but it really does. Um, all right, so as I was talking about communities or thinking about communities and studying about that, uh, my son is enamored with all kinds of animals. He's eight years old, almost nine, and he loves all animals. And so I just got to thinking about communities of animals. And I, this really truly isn't that relevant, but it just cracked me up, so I had to share it with y'all. Uh, Lindsay's going to put some pictures up here. Can y'all see this? All right, I'm going to, we're going to go through these slides, and 
Each one of these communities of animals has a specific name. All right, I know, don't get ahead of me. You already know what the first one is. This is an obvious one. Somebody's going to yell it out. Uh, but each one of these different communities has a different name. They all, a lot of them fall into the category of a herd, like a herd of elephants or something like that. A lot of them, a herd of deer. But a lot of them have specific names. Anybody, what is this one called? A murder of crows. A murder of crows. That's good. All right, go to the next one. Anybody? A parade of elephants. Yeah, I didn't know that one either. All right. This one is a giveaway. Pack of wolves. Wolf pack. Let's see if anybody gets this one. Those are prairie dogs. Then close. That is a clan. That is a clan of prairie dogs. Multiple families are called a town, a town of prairie dogs, which I thought was cool. Sea otters. This, you'll never get this one. A raft of sea otters. I don't know why, but a raft. I guess they hang out together, right? Everybody knows this one. A pride. What's a group of male lions called? A coalition of lions. Yeah. Isn't that a new one? Has anybody ever heard that? I have never heard that one. All right. This one's funny, too. The next one. Hyenas. Anybody? Cackle. It's a cackle of hyenas. <laughs> you were close, yeah. Did you say gaggle? That was close, yeah. All right. Gorillas. A troop. A troop of gorillas, yeah. All right, next one. A tide pod. Tide pod, yeah. Of dolphins, right. If anybody gives this one, it gets this one, they need a like some kind of present or something. Those are jellyfish. Any, you'll never get this one. A smack of jellyfish. <laughs> a smack. Yeah, I did, I've never heard of that in my life. All right, this one's funny, and it makes sense, and this is why they compare raccoons to children right here. This is a nursery of raccoons, which, yeah, that makes sense. All right, this is Amy's favorite right here. You want to tell them, Amy? She forgot already. This is, this is a dazzle of zebras. A da they're dazzling. All right. Congregation of alligators. Uh, yeah, I guess that's comparing it to the church. We're alligators. All right. A tower of giraffes. Go figure. Yeah. Well, they were supposed to be parrots, but those look like parakeets. But... Uh, it's a pandemonium of parrots. I think that's because they, yeah, they're always yakking at each other. A pandemonium of parrots. Now, this is my favorite one. This next one, that's not it. That's it. This is the good one right here. Who can tell me what this is? <laughs> We're going to go with herd. <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure which farm day this is, but I think SK took this picture. And I love it because it's showing just a massive group of us, and I'm not sure if this is the one that has the other two churches in it. It is the one. So there's three churches here, all represented, but we're all part of the Big C Church, and I absolutely love this picture, but the point of this is that's our community. That's our herd. That's our group. It's our fellowship. So today we're going to discuss, we're going to discuss growing in community. What is community? When, when I say community, what do I mean? A general definition of community is 
a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common. So it's a group of people who live in the same area or they, they come together for a specific, a particular characteristic. Another definition that makes a lot of sense to me is community is a feeling of fellowship with other people as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, goals, etc. So if somebody said, have you heard this, this saying, I, I, I feel a strong sense of community? That It's a feeling you get from being together. And we laughed about this because last week, well, I guess it was two weeks ago now, we were at Amelia Island uh, when the Georgia Bulldogs clinched the national championship. Yeah. And it was truly hilarious to see these people uh, they had we we were meeting together in a big ballroom and they had a big 20 foot screen and the next day people were hobbling around they were hoarse they couldn't talk it was insane I mean, we instantly became best friends with 75 people we had never met before so we it was crazy but but what brought them together that was a fellowship of people coming together for a for a characteristic or a goal and it, and that camaraderie you get it's the same feeling you get when you go to the stadium any stadium i don't care if you go to the Braves game or whatever Falcons, I don't maybe not the Falcons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, all the Falcons fans. But um, you're coming together for a common goal, and it, there's that sense of, a strong sense of community. A more Christianese definition that I came up with myself for us would be, it's a local group of Christ followers who live the Christian life together and fellowship together. And that's what we do here. That's what we do here. Uh, let's talk about the most prime example from Scripture. Uh, that would be the first church after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit was given to the people at, at, uh, in Jerusalem, the believers in Jerusalem. Uh, let's talk about a little context. Luke is presumably the author of the book of Acts. And Luke 24, the last chapter, ends up uh, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and then the ascension of Christ, and then Acts picks up in chapter 1 right after that, and he, uh, Luke presumably, uh, talks again about the ascension, but just for a few seconds, and then he goes right into, uh, Christ had told, Jesus had told the disciples and the followers of him to, when I leave, go to Jerusalem and wait there, and the Holy Spirit is going to, he's going to meet you there, and I'm sure they had no idea what he was talking about. So they're in Jerusalem, and they're waiting for the Feast of Pentecost, which is something they do every year, and it's one of their holy feasts. And as they're together, it says that they were all together in one accord, and they were praying together. It says that the Holy Spirit descended on them like tongues of fire on top of their heads. So, I mean, this is a crazy picture. I wish we could see it. But what it was was... Uh, God the Father sent down the Holy Spirit to fulfill his promise to the believers. And now this was the, the point where Christians had the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And they, and they went out and uh, they started preaching. And as you know the story, uh, they, the people heard what the disciples were preaching. They heard it in their native tongue. So the disciples were speaking in the, in the tongue, in their own dialect, but the people who were receiving the word were hearing it in their dialect. 
And that was the way God propagated the gospel right there in the first church. And it says that after Peter's sermon, I think it says 3,000, but it was either two or 3,000, but a whole bunch of people got saved right there. And so right there in Jerusalem, when that happened, you have the first church. It's the first church after Christ's ascension when the Holy Spirit uh, came on to the, and live inside the believers. So that's where we're at. So we're skipping all that, and we're going to start reading uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 42 through 47. So I'll give you all a second to get to it. Acts chapter 2, it should be up on the screen. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, let me go back. First of all, this is an account of how the first church met and how they ran their first church together. And it's a, just a perfect example of how we should live together in community. And uh, man, there's so much here, but we're going to read through it. And then we'll go back and I'll talk a little about each verse. And then I'll give you some highlights about how we can grow together here in community at City Church. So here we go in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with, gladness, with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's incredible to me that, that God added people being saved to their church day by day. And I will get to that later, but I think that part's important. Uh, so let's just start at verse 42. The church was eager to learn from the apostles. So you have this brand new set of people, a whole bunch of them, two or 3,000, maybe even more, just from the first day, that now all of a sudden, they're the first church. And here they are in Jerusalem. And they are gathering around the apostles who, were, who learned directly from Jesus, like the source. And they it says they were eager to learn and they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. So I think that's a big deal. And also note here that the apostles were, a were able to teach. Uh, the apostles took it upon themselves through, you know, by God's command, to teach these people and to disciple here these people in the first church. Uh, the people devoted themselves to, te to the teaching of the apostles. They made it a major priority to grow spiritually, spiritually from their spiritual elders. And by elders here, I just mean people that are older in the faith, people that have been saved longer, that can be teachers. Uh, let's look back at the communities of animals that I talked about. Obviously, the only correlation really is that God created these communities of animals, and he taught them to act how they act and do what they do, and it's kind of a really nice model for us to follow. But if you look at these communities of animals, uh, the older animals in the pack, the herd, the dazzle of zebras, whatever, they, um, they teach the young how to act. They, they teach the young how to hunt, how, 
where the safety is, where the danger is. They teach them how to find their food. They teach them how to act, how to treat the other people in the herd, the pack, whatever. And I think that's actually, you know, that was orchestrated by God. And I think that's a good idea of how we should live together in community. We should grow from the elders around us, from the people around us who have, uh, you know, been a Christian long enough and have grown in the faith that they are able to teach. And so when you look around this room, uh, don't overlook people that you can learn from. There, there's going to be people in here who will pour themselves into you and teach you if you're willing to let it happen. So I, I promise you they're in here. So just being part of that community and being open to that, that, that's just a huge thing you can take advantage of in your spiritual growth. Uh, so I'm saying be thankful for the older people in the faith that you have around you and be, be willing to grow from their wisdom and their knowledge. The next thing in verse 42, they devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. This is something I think we do very well here at City Church. Uh, fellowship, I'm, by that I mean being with one another in the same spirit. Uh, that could be hanging out. It could be small groups. It could be some activity we're doing. It could be Sunday morning. It could be hanging out with your friends away from church together, but, but in, a, in a Christian group. Uh, but that's something we do well together. We, we live life together. And uh, I think that's very important because we're meant, to, we're meant to do that. We're not meant to be apart. They broke bread together. Now, this specifically is, to, from what I can tell, it was, there's a lot of people leaning in each direction. But then when it talks about they broke to bread together, at the very first, after uh, Jesus ascended um, and in the very first church, they kind of did communion together in their homes. They would do it uh, more often than we do, I guess you'd say. And so when it speaks about breaking bread together, uh, the, the person that was in charge of the event or whoever's house, the host of the house that you were at and you were eating at, there was a ceremonial like breaking of the bread and passing it around. And so that's what this is talking about. It's something they did in their culture. Uh, but it also was talking about uh, they probably had communion together because Christ had just commanded them to do that not long before that. But that's something that we do here, but we do it once a month on the first Sunday. But we also do eat a lot together, and I think that's important as well, and it talks more about that later. The next thing is they prayed together. And I, I don't mean just like me praying before we start the service. I mean they prayed together. And I, I think that's something that, you know, it kind of gets overlooked a lot in today's modern era of church. And I think it would do us all well to maybe concentrate on that again and uh, maybe even find more opportunities to get together and just lift each other up to God. I know we do that well in small groups, and that's been a big blessing to me over the years. But I'm not sure that we maximize that potential. So, I mean, that's something we all could look into. But this first, this first church prayed together continually. They were always meeting together and praying. And I think that's a really big deal. Uh, verse 40, 43 talks about that they were, there were many signs and wonders done by the apostles that left people in awe and amazement. And, you know, we don't necessarily have that today. You don't, you don't see people doing, you know, well, you probably do on the televangelist channel, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that's legitimate. But um, we don't see the signs and miracles like that they did in that day. But don't let that fool you. God is still alive and well and able to do miracles. And it's, it's truly a miracle how 
He saves us through his grace. That's a miracle. It's a miracle how he takes care of us. And there's a million things we could say about this. But what I'm just going to say about this is we don't see that today in the way they saw it then. We don't, we don't heal people like they did or not necessarily. Uh, like in the next chapter, it talks about when Peter and John were walking to the temple and they healed the man uh, who was lame and he got up and ran around. And, uh, and that was for, at, at that perfect time, it was for people to be brought to the gospel. So, um, but anyway, like I said, definitely God still works miracles. So just because it's a different time doesn't mean God has changed. Um, I mean, all of it's really a miracle. Uh, Verses 44 and 45, I kind of lump these together because they kind of say the same thing. But um, all that believed were together. That means that all the believers were meeting together whenever possible. Whenever they could come together in a meeting to be together, they did. They, They didn't forsake the assembling of themselves together. It says they had all things in common. This is a weird one. Uh, What that means is they had such a mature and mutual love for each other that rather than seeing anyone have a need, they were selling their possessions and distributing the money to take care of each other according to the present need. And I mean, that, that just, man, that's a tough one. I think that I'll talk more about this later, and I think there's ways that we do that well, and there's ways that we don't. But it was such a it was such a reckless abandonment of love in this era that the people would sell their possessions and pass it around to those other believers that had need, and even into the community of people that were not believers. Which imagine that, um, literally selling their possessions to meet needs. Verse forty six, it says day by day. They were attending the temple together. Obviously, back then, they had the temple, the tabernacle, where they went, and they could worship God. So that's where they went together at first. And they were doing that as often as they could together uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, to learn from the apostles. And another reason is to worship God. Uh, It says they were eating daily meals together in their homes. Um, The people who had more were opening up their homes to the people who had less and they were eating meals together and they were and it said and the rest of the verse said they received their food with glad and generous hearts so they were happy to cook and share with the people who had more need and they were all receiving it with glad and joyous hearts which means they were thankful and grateful they didn't complain about well this isn't what I wanted to eat tonight you know or maybe this isn't what this isn't as much as we all wanted they were grateful and they were sharing with each other and they were loving each other and, and, and the love of Christ together through this, through breaking of bread. The, and then at the end of verse 47, it says, having favor with all people. Man, this is so big. What that means is the community around them of unsaved people, the lost masses, the early church had favor with the lost masses. The, their love of Christ was so strong and this model of Christianity was so good that the world looked at the church and looked on it with favor and said, wow, I want to be like those guys. And that's how thousands of people were added to the church. So what that makes me think for us today is, does the world still look on the church with favor? And I think we all know the question, the answer to that question. Yeah, maybe sometimes, but all the time, Uh, I doubt it. 
And I think that's because it's become a lot of stuff that it wasn't supposed to be. And I think that we don't always share the love of Christ with the outsiders like we should. I don't think we, that we spread the love of Christ as well as we should outside of the church. And I think that's something we can work on because what that does is it makes the unsaved people see what we have and it makes them want it as well. And that's what a great, what a great testimony of the gospel. So um, I think our church does better than that. I think we do better than most in that area. I really do. We have a, I mean, we have that saying that I always get wrong. Uh, everyone is welcome. Because no, one time I was up here and I said, no one is welcome because everybody's perfect. <laughs> and then I thought about that. I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, uh, I think we do well with that. But I think the church in general could step it up in that, in that area. So that's something to think about. Then the, the end of the verse says, the Lord added to their numbers daily. And man, I've been thinking about this for a while as I've been studying about this, because do we see daily, do we see people being added to our church daily? And I don't mean just city church. I do, but I don't. Um, It's bigger than that. We're just one small part of a massive whole of Christianity. But are we living our lives in a way that the lost see us and are added daily? Is it that big of a deal to us? Is it that important to us to make the gospel available to the masses that they're being added daily. And, uh, man, I just want to challenge us on that and make sure we're doing what we can do to reach, reach out beyond these doors. So that's, that's going through all the verses a little. Now what I'm going to do is take some highlights from these verses and uh, talk about how we can apply them or how we do apply them here at City Church as we grow, specifically growing in our community. Uh, number one, we grow by devoting ourselves to Christ-centered biblical teaching. And man, we really do get that here at City Church. I hope that you all know how blessed we are. Uh, our Pastor Jared and Pastor Marcus and the other people that come over every now and then from CMC and the people that have been up here, they do a great job. They go out of their way to preach, number one, the gospel, but number two, to preach what they're, what they're preaching in the Bible, they preach it expositorily, meaning that, we go, like when we went through the whole book of Ephesians, verse by verse, not just pulling a verse from over here and pulling a verse from over there to make it say whatever your topic is, but explaining to us the Word of God and letting the Holy Spirit illuminate the text. And I think that speaks to us, man, in such a strong way. And I hope that you're able to understand and appreciate the amazing Bible teaching and preaching that we get here on a weekly basis. So anyway, we grow here, number one, by devoting ourselves to Christ-centered biblical teaching. And by devoted, I mean devoting, I mean it's a top priority. It's important to us. The second way we grow here is we grow through fellowship. True Christ-centered fellowship is just unbelievable. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's like that. It's like the feeling and the fun you have when you're cheering for your football team, except for it means more and it's more important. So, I mean, if you've experienced a small group here or, any, or in another Christ-centered church, uh, or if you've experienced working for an, an outreach team or, f- or for one of our CL- CLT teams, almost said BLT, <laughs> one of our bacon, lettuce, and tomato teams, 
But if you've experienced that and the camaraderie that you get from that and the oneness of spirit, and you see how it brings us together and how we can grow together, it's an amazing thing. It really is. It's something that you can't put a price on. So we grow here through fellowship, living life together. We eat together. This is a big one. We serve together. Serving together, like let's just take We Care, for example, how we all met and served together for that. Does anybody notice how that kind of stuff brings you closer together? You're going to make lifelong friends. You're going to make, truthfully, we say it all the time, but you're really making brothers and sisters. They're family. I have a lot of family at this church that I wouldn't otherwise have if it wasn't for serving together and living life together here in fellowship. It's just you can't put a price on it. Um, also, I wrote down in real, in real fellowship, there is accountability, which leads to growth. So um, a lot of times it's easy to, you know, live a certain way on Sunday and live a certain different way the rest of the week. And uh, a lot of times we don't hold ourselves accountable. And um, we might not be the same person all the time. And I mean, I'm guilty as this as anybody. But what living in true fellowship within, in a community does is that when we're together, we hold each other accountable. And I think this is super important because growing in Christ should always be on the forefront of our minds. It should be a priority for us. And I, and I think it is. I do. I think that here, I think once again, I think we do that well here. And I, I think we do live life well here together. The next thing is we pray together. We grow here through praying together. Before, I had spoken about specifically how prayer and small group has helped me. I've been in the small group at City Church one way or another for the last six years. And we led, at some point we led, and at other points we haven't led, and we've been in and out and this and that. But one thing I've always loved is the way people are eager to share their prayer requests with each other and how they're eager to get that list out and how people are like, yeah, I'm going to pray for you. And you know what? What a, what a sense of fellowship. What a, what a sense of community when you know you have other Christians praying for you. It's a big deal. It really is. I mean, there's, there's just, you know, the God works through that. And also, um, I want to challenge. I thought about this this morning. And I almost thought, I may not say it. And then I thought, well, I'll take, what is it, forgiveness instead of permission. But, um, you know, is it possible that there's somebody out here that the Holy Spirit would work on you to, to lead prayer around here? Is that possible? Is there, is there somebody in here who has been thinking about that? Wouldn't corporate prayer more often be a good thing for our church? Do we meet together and pray often enough for each other? For You know, the Bible says in many places that when we ask something in God's name, he will do it. And I, I believe that promise. Do we ask, do we pray together, together, concerted prayer together on purpose for lost people? Do we pray for our community? And I know we do separately, and I know we do for 30 seconds in small group. But what if we met together and we just bathed and soaked this place in prayer? What would happen? Here, here's the question. Could God... Could he do it? Could he add daily to this church? Could he do it? I mean, I know he can. 
I know he can. He, he's, he's simply waiting on us. So, I mean, maybe God is leading somebody in here to say, I can take up that mantle. I can do that. Let's, let's do this. But I think that would be amazing. Or maybe it's a group of people or we can set something up. But man, let's meet together and pray for each other. Let's meet together and pray for the lost. Let's pray for our city. Let's pray that our church will grow in community through our community. Let's, let's see the kingdom of heaven brought to earth. I just think that's majorly important here. That's what these people did. When they, when they didn't know what to do, after the, so here's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Then he shows up and scares them all to death. And then he leaves in the clouds. He leaves. He's gone. He disappears in the clouds. And they look over, and there's two angels standing there. And the two, I always thought this was funny. The two angels say, what are you guys looking at? He's not here anymore. He's going to come back the same way that he just left. So go out and make disciples. <laughs> and they're like, okay. So they, head, they go to Jerusalem, and they, they stick together. And they don't, they don't know what to do. They just say, okay, he told us to go wait. So they go to Jerusalem, they stick together, and they wait, and they pray. They fellowship together, and they pray continually. And God honored that. He sent the Holy Spirit to come to them and dwell inside of them, and then they were able to do miraculous things, even speaking in other languages, to bring people to Christ through the gospel. And I just think God still has that same power. I just think that, I think it's us that doesn't believe, maybe to a degree. It's just definitely not God losing some ability. or He is the same as he ever was, even before creation. So let, let's just, let's work on that, you know. And I'm speaking to myself too. What can we do? How can we pray? I mean, I'm open to, you know, whatever you guys want to talk to me about later or whatever, but how can we pray together? What can we do? The next thing is uh, we assemble together to worship and learn. Uh, and this is, there's two main ways we do this. We do this through Sunday morning, which is right now. And we do this through small groups on Wednesday. And you guys are about to be thrown for a loop right here, but that's the way I like to do things. My wife is going to come up and she's going to say a few things about her experiences from small group from the last six years. Give Amy a hand. Come on, clap. You have to. <laughs> Let's try to embarrass her as much as we can. You have two minutes. I don't need way more than two minutes, no. <laughs> no, um, so we, we joined City Church before it was City Church, and then it became City Church. And for those of you who don't know the story, it's for another day, but it is amazing. Um, and if it wasn't for the small group that we were in at that exact moment, City Church probably would not even be here. Um, and so I just jotted down a couple of things. Lasting friendships. Todd's already talked about that. I mean, it's the kind of friends that you can call in the middle of the night and they'll actually answer you. They won't send you to voicemail. Um, they'll be there if you need them in about 30 seconds when you probably live 30, 45 minutes away. I mean, it's just a group of people you can rely on. You can tell whatever, no judgment, that kind of thing. Um, not just for me or for Todd individually, but support for our family. We joke around, and you've probably heard me say, because I'm usually the one that says weird things like that out of our group of people, um, that we just co-parent. Just let them run. Somebody will stop them before they get out the door. Like, it's okay. Just, it'll be okay. But, um, yeah, there are plenty of moms in here, but we do. We, we co-parent, and I'm so fortunate that our two children have bonus moms and dads. 
that, you know, if they can't feel comfortable, if they don't feel comfortable talking to me or Todd, they have somebody else that will give them honest biblical advice and guidance. And so, I mean, that's just a major part of what we were looking for at City Church and what we found. And then, um, like I said at the beginning, just some, you know, as life happens, good, bad, funerals, weddings, babies, all the things you've got the people to walk through life with. Um, and that is just major because everybody, yeah, oh, too many. That's way more than my two minutes. Um, but, you know, it, it's just everybody yearns for friendship and for common and for, you know, just to feel a part of something. And that we have, I have definitely found those things in the small groups that we've been a part of. Um, and we've been leaders of some and we've been in some and it's always the same. It's awkward at first and then everybody kind of clicks into where they go and you are sad when you get the, sh the small group shuffle again. So... <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Thank you, Amy. Wasn't that good? Um, it's, she's so right. Uh, we really could, we could talk for a long time about things that we've seen, circumstances, places in life people in here have been in, and we could talk about how their group huddled around them and really helped them work through it, through the grace of God. I mean, we really could go on forever. Uh, but man, you know, what a privilege, what a, what a, what a blessing that we have that. And I want you to know, and, and Taylor says this a lot, but change happens in circles or change happens in groups. And what that means is it's easy to get, it's easy to get to know people in these smaller groups and man, you can really, you can really get some work done. So I just, I really appreciate that, but we're good at, we, we assemble together we grow in community here through assembling together to worship and learn. The next part of that is to worship. Uh, man, I, I, don't, I, I don't go to a lot of other churches, but I have no idea how it is there. But man, I can really worship here. Uh, I love, and, I, and not just through the music that we, you know, we do the three songs before and the one after. There's that, but there's also a lot of other ways to worship. There, there's ways by giving your, they say, money, time, talent, all that stuff. You can worship God through that and let, distributing that as needed. And just being open to let God use you, that is a form of worship. And we worship, we, we grow here through our worship and through giving worth to God through that. Um, small groups is a good way. It's, it's what, what we do there is we take the sermons from Sunday and we break them down. And we let everybody share. And, and I know a lot of you are already in small groups, but for anybody who's not, man, get with somebody, figure out how you can do it. But it's a great way to apply the message from Sunday. We break it down and talk about it, and then we learn how we can apply it. So we don't just hear it and forget about it. We hear it, and then we talk about it again and reiterate it. We learn what we can. Uh, another a great tool for that is the After the Sermon podcast, which I know I already talked about that. I think I did. But um, that's another great way to do it. Listen to that. You'll hear it all broken down. Then the next way we grow here at City Church and community is we grow through giving. In the first church, it says that they sold their possessions. They gave it out to whoever had. They actually sold their possessions, brought the money to the feet of the apostles and gave it to them. And the apostles spread the money out to whoever was in need. And that is just a crazy concept in, in our world today. You're just not going to see that. But I'll tell you what we do. 
now. What we do here is we give. We give of our money, we give of our time, we give of our talent, specifically our money, which I would say possessions. Uh, you know, it's a command to give, to tithe, to give to the church and let the church distribute it out for whoever has need. Sometimes it's needs in the body, sometimes it's needs out in the world, uh, in, in the masses of, of the lost. But uh, once again, I think we do well with this, but we can always do better. Um, but we, get, we literally can grow through that because I wrote down for this when I wrote, this is, a bit, this is a hard lesson to learn. Let me find my place. This is a tough area of growth. Realizing that everything we have is a gift from God is a tough lesson. This is a lesson that takes some people an entire lifetime to learn. Learning to be a good steward of what God has given us is essential for Christian growth. So we, we grow here through giving. So let that, you know, let that sink in a little bit there. But that's a tough one. The last part is we literally grow by adding to our community. And I mean literally as in like a play on words. We grow by adding to our community. In other words, what's the main purpose of our community here together? I, I, would, say, I would say the main purpose of our community here as a fellowship of believers would be to grow in Christ, to honor Christ and glorify Christ through worship and other ways. And then the last thing would be to make disciples. It's the Great Commission. Uh, it's what we talked about that Jesus gave to the disciples right before he ascended, just two chapters before this. He commanded us to go out into the world and to preach the gospel, making disciples. And that's our goal here at City Church. Our goal is to make disciples for Christ, to bring up there down here to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. So the ultimate goal of us living together in community is to grow our community. We're making more Christians through the grace of God and through the, specifically the gospel. We're making more Christians. That's what we do. So, and I think that, once again, may not be on the absolute forefront of the modern church's radar, but I know it is here, and I really appreciate how here you're going to hear a gospel presentation nearly in every single message. And I think that's important for two reasons. Number one, there's going to be lost people who need to hear it, who need to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And number two, we need to hear it as bad as they do. Uh, we need to constantly be reminded of the work that Christ did for us, for how he is the sacrifice for our sins in granting us eternal life in heaven with Christ. That is, man, it's such an honor and a privilege to be at a place that puts that at the forefront of what we do. So I just want to reiterate again, we grow by adding to our community. If, if there's ways, man, how do I say this? We all should be looking for ways to improve how we do that. We all should be making sure we're doing what we can do to make disciples, to, to preach to the lost. It's what we're called to do as Christians. We're, we're all missionaries, all of us. It, it can just be some people it's in Africa. Some people it's at work. Live like Christ at work. Live like Christ where you are. Be making disciples. We can all invite people to church. And I know we do. I know we do. And uh, that's why we have so many visitors here, which we actually do, which is amazing. 
So the band can come on up, and there's some final thoughts as I close here. Lindsay, if you'll put that picture back up. Yeah, perfect. I just want you guys to look at this as I talk. Just let that one sink in. That's most of us. I bet you most of us are in that picture. And I love that because that's, man, that right there is us coming together at, at our finest moment, in our finest moments of Christian fellowship. But there's also teaching. There's also, we broke bread together. We did it all right there in that one setting. But, man, I love that. That right there, that's us. That's what we do. That's what we do. And if we continue to do that, that picture will get bigger. Because God is going to honor He's going to honor us sharing the gospel and attempting to make disciples. He's going to honor that. He's going to give us what we want, what we ask for when we pray in his name to reach the lost souls. He's going to bring us that. Christian community is God's heart. It's his idea. It was his idea. It's his concept. It was in existence before the creation of the world. Our Trinity God modeled true community it works God lived in community in heaven before the earth was made the disciples were Jesus's community they were a wildly different group of people from different walks of life their common thread was Jesus he modeled his community perfectly for us in how he treated the disciples how he loved them how he lovingly rebuked them and how he taught them We talked last Wednesday in small group about how we're not made to be alone, but we're made to be in fellowship with other believers and with our Savior. It's what we were made for. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never accepted Him as your personal Savior, come find one of us up here at the front. We would be glad to share with you how you can accept Jesus and how you can be part of this local community. We'd love absolutely nothing more. Jared said last Sunday, Christ-centered community is a foreshadowing of what is to come. The perfect community is in heaven together with Christ. What's it, what's it going to be? Can you, imagine, can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the sense of belonging, the sense of satisfaction to be in the presence of God? That's community. And it is our job here to bring that to earth to the best, the best way we can through loving each other the way Christ loved us or loves us and to make more disciples. The Christ-centered community stands out in a broken world. It's a light in the darkness. It's a city on a hill that cannot be hidden can't be hidden that's why the early church was so successful because you can't hide that light from God when you're living together in perfect community you can't hide it the the darkness can't win a final thought as we close Psalms chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 says blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers but his delight is in the law of the Lord And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that it does prospers. 
The maturing Christian is often referred to in the Bible as a tree, as a planted tree that's growing. So I have a few questions for you as we end today. Are you, are you planted? Are you planted in your local community? Are your roots deep? And one more step further, are you growing? Are you growing together with your fellow Christians in your local community? A good tree that's planted grows and bears fruit. Are you bringing forth fruit? Let's pray together. Lord, we just don't deserve what you give us. Thank you so much. Man, I'm, I just stand in awe of you this morning and for how you've orchestrated for us to be together and to love each other. I praise you for that. Lord, I pray that we will grow together in this community, that we'll go strong and close to you, and that we will reach others and bring them into this community, Lord, to make disciples, to see your church grown and furthered. I pray that you'll bless this last worship song that we're about to sing. Lord, I pray that everything that's done is for your name and your glory. In your name I pray, amen.